Hello, everyone, and welcome to this special edition of Employment Matters, brought to you by the Employment Law Alliance, the world's largest network of labor and employment lawyers from the best law firms around the globe. I'm your host, Pete Waltz. Well, today's another special Tuesday. It's Employment Matters Podcast's Travel Tuesday, where each week we get the chance to dial in our members from all around the world who want to share with us the important things we need to know about doing business in their jurisdiction. Today, we're going to be learning more about doing business in the country of Colombia, and I'm pleased to welcome the show Vicente Umania, a partner at Posi Herrera Ruiz. Vicente, a pleasure to have you today. My pleasure, Pete. Thank you for having me here. So let's jump into this. This is a fascinating country, like a lot of the countries in Latin America. You know, we see them, we see them on National Geographic, we find out about them and, you know, places to visit and interesting places to be. We learn about the food, but this show is really about understanding what it's like to do business in that country. So could you take a few minutes and just give us a general overview of what Colombia is all about in terms of its economy, some of the demographics, the government? Give us a sense of that, if you would, please, Vicente. Absolutely, Pete. We are located in the northwest corner of South America, a very strategic place for the entire region. So we're kind of the door for South America. And we also have very close contacts with Central America, of, of course, with the U.S., which is really close to the country. We are approximately 50 million people here in Colombia. Bogota is the capital, is the largest city in the country, which is different from other countries. Bogota is located in the middle of the country, up in the mountains. And we have nearly 8 million people in Bogota. So it's a pretty large city. A lot of power and business are mainly concentrated in Bogota. We don't have additional large cities throughout the country. It is the second oldest democracy, at least in Latin America. It is a very stable political country. And we have three branches, which are mainly the judicial, the executive power, the, or the president's power, and of course, Congress. Congress has two cameras. We have the Senate and we have the lower chamber of the Congress. And we have a, it is a republic as opposed to a federal state. So you have 32 departments, which are similar to states or regions, which have their own governors and which have their own local political organization. Being the largest cities or areas in Colombia, as I told you, Bogotá, then we have Medellín, Cali, and Barranquilla, which is up in the Atlantic coast. And this is very important because we are a country with two coasts. We have coast over the Atlantic Ocean and over the Pacific Ocean. So that also opens Colombia for a very, very important capability of commerce, both with the North and Europe, US, Europe and the Atlantic, and also with the Pacific, because we do have coast over the Pacific. And in terms of general beliefs in Colombia, we're still a very traditional and Catholic country. It used to be the majority. Now it's around 35% of Catholics, and we have all religions and all types of beliefs in Colombia. And from a political standpoint, we also used to be very conservative and, and, and traditional, but we recently have an election, and, and probably the country is taking another avenue in the following four years. Interesting. So I have been to Colombia before visiting your firm, which is a great firm. For those that don't know Posio Ruiz, it's it's one of the largest and most prestigious firms in that country. And that's why we chose them as our member. 
but I didn't get to spend much time on the industries that are there. Can you fill us in on what some of the key industries are within the jurisdiction? Sure, Pete. Colombia is known internationally because of its coffee. As you know, we have a very, very, very good coffee in Colombia. We have several types of coffee, very high quality, and used to be some time ago, the main industry in Colombia. Now in Colombia, we still have coffee, but the oil and gas industry is probably the most important industry in Colombia and represents more than probably 12% of the GDP in Colombia. So that's very important together with the textile and the agriculture and food industry. We have, and it is funny and it is very interesting because in Colombia, we do not have large and very industrialized agricultural activities, but we do have a lot of little farmers that together they contribute to the GDP probably in three or 4%. So that's very important for us. And also we have been expanding the chemical products and the chemical production in Colombia, let's say for the past 10 years. So Colombia is very active in terms of economy nowadays after the pandemic. Before the pandemic, Colombia was meant to be a country which would suffer a lot the consequences of the pandemic. And some people which were not very positive, were stating that Colombia practically might disappear after the pandemic. But if you see the numbers throughout Latin America, Colombia has the largest economic growth on 2021 and, and until June 2022. So that shows, and, and I know this is a comment because I'm Colombian, the, the resilience and the hard work of the Colombians. So we, we just stood up with the pandemic and, and we're getting it over better than some so-called first world countries, let's say, or more industrialized countries. So that's that's mainly the the industries in Colombia. We have a very strong air industry because we do not have enough roads. So it's very usual to fly in Colombia for very short distances due to the lack of roads. And we're just looking into the future with consistency, I guess. Wow. Well, that's fantastic. And aside from being a beautiful country, it's very resource-rich. And I have had a cup of Colombian coffee this morning, actually. So I am a big fan. I actually usually get that from your firm when I go down and visit there. So, hey, let's talk about one of the big issues that all of our ELA members have, which is their clients have operations or want to open up operations in other countries. And Colombia, based on the way you've described it, is clearly a place where there's going to be opportunities. So what are some of the key structural issues that companies need to know when they employ locally in Colombia? Do you have unions, affirmative action, any other types of things that you might be able to point out to our audience would be great. That's correct, Pete. In Colombia, we have a lot of opportunities for foreign companies. We used to be very attractive countries like India, Costa Rica, probably Argentina, for example, for BPO businesses or to have local workforce mainly because of the cost. So several companies have been targeting Colombia as a possible destination to have people working from Colombia, rendering services to different countries throughout the world. And I always try to see the good things and the bad moments. And after the pandemic, we, the world, we discovered that a lot of things could be done remotely, as we're speaking now, for example. So they discovered that they can have Colombian people working here from home, rendering services to their clients throughout the world. Actually, we do have a very large international client, and this is just anecdotal, in several countries in which they operate. 
they closed, as we all did during the pandemic, but Colombia was the only country in which they kept the people to keep rendering services abroad. So that's an opportunity. We do have, a, unfortunately, a, a very high rate of informal work, people which is not hired either with a services contract or an employment contract. But closing, for example, last year, we had nearly 40% of informality, which is very, very high. The government is trying to work on that and to try to formalize labor relations. And we have, a, and this has been pointed also by the UN even, an issue with the underage working people. We have people between 15 and 18 years. In Colombia, you are considered an adult and you're you have all your rights at 18 years, but we have a lot of people between 15 and 18 working, not according to the law, but just working. Unions, we do have some strong unions, especially on the oil and gas sector, of course, which is a very large sector, as I told you a few minutes ago. But even with that large union in that sector and other larger organizations, unionizing in Colombia only represents 6% of the total workforce in Colombia. That's very low compared to other jurisdictions, but they do have all the protection and all the guarantees from the constitution and from the judges. So they do have freedom of association. They can, of course, be unionized. And we have the, the ILO always here checking up on us on how we're doing and how we're protecting unions. For foreign companies, in terms, for example, on Equal opportunity, employment, harassment, protection at the workplace, health and safety. I'm proud to say that we are on a very high standard. We do have laws and we do have the possibility, even if the judges and the structure is meant to protect the employee, we do have the possibility, for example, for foreign companies to bring the business to Colombia together with the corporate policies. So if you have corporate policies, which are not expressly against any local law, which usually doesn't happen, you can, and, and this term probably doesn't exist, but is you can tropicalize your corporate policies to be enforceable here in Colombia. So that's an advantage. And we do that very often for our clients. So they have the local policies in Colombia, for the local employees in Colombia. So they are aligned with the corporate office and with the corporate policies and, and, and they can operate as if we're there in their home country. Wow. So I've learned a new word, tropicalize. Yeah. I thought that phrase was going to be like going to the beach or picking a coconut or something in the tropics, but that really makes a lot of sense to me. And that's got to be a huge incentive to basically export your policies and create for that entity itself almost like a bubble of the company in Colombia. And so writing a policies and procedures manual or an employee handbook or any of the other things, you can actually export that in whole. And as long as it doesn't conflict with local law, you can make that happen. It's a huge incentive. Let's talk about the business climate once we get there. And how would you describe it to businesses joining there? Would you say it's more on the pro-business side, more plus towards the business, or more leaning towards the employees, more of a pro-employee scenario? What do you think? We have very strong corporate organizations. I mean, which, for example, the National Association of Corporations, and we have other entities that group companies and try to make the country more attractive and more pro-business. We are a country which is open to business. 
However, certain regulations, and especially the Ministry of Labor and the Labor Courts, are definitely oriented to protect the employee, which is not bad. I mean, employees do have rights. But in my opinion, companies and businesses must also have rights and must also have the ability to manage the workforce, to manage the business without violating the employee's rights, but with certain level of flexibility. And that's another good thing from the pandemic, because we didn't have in Colombia, as you guys in the U.S. and in other jurisdictions have several years ago, a framework for remote work, for example. So in Colombia, the government had to do and had to prepare and, and draft laws and regulations for those types or alternatives for remote work, which is very, very interesting also for foreign companies because they have remote workers. They do not have to have a large office here in Colombia and they can operate remotely. Together with that flexibilization of the, of the employment relationships in Colombia came also a more, which is not very coherent or consistent, it came also along with it a more strict supervision from the authorities. So they gave us the law, they gave us the framework to be more attractive and more pro-business, but you have to behave. You have to do it right, which is okay. I mean, and that's now we will have in the following four years until 2026, probably some changes due to political changes in Colombia and due to a new president, which is coming into office very shortly. And I hope that my answer today will keep us as given today, which I think will happen, even if the country changes from a political or ideology standpoint in the government. This country, as I told you at the beginning, is very stable and, and we are very disciplined in terms of protecting the institutions and protecting the root of the country. That's fantastic. So let's talk and kind of wrap up our conversation about some of the cross-border business opportunities, particularly even around remote work. You know, a lot of people today are working remotely, but they're not necessarily working from the state where their company is based. They might be working from a relative's house, or some people have taken advantage of this to move to another part of the country and maintain their job. So let's talk about the cross-border business opportunities and what some of the immigration standards are there, both within the region and then also traveling abroad. Do you have any sense of for our audience. Is that a difficult thing in Colombia? Is it pretty easy? Do you have any special programs or things we need to know about? That question is very important, Pete, because actually probably a couple of weeks ago or something, a new regulation regarding immigration was published by the, we call it here, the Ministry of Foreign Affairs, which is similar to the Department of State. And we have a very flexible and attractive migration or migratory framework in Colombia. They, for example, decided to make the process of getting a visa easier, quicker. They created new visa categories. For example, they created a visa for a foreign individual who would like to work from Colombia for a foreign company, not having any type of services or employment relation with a Colombian company. So you, you, you have been down here and this is a very beautiful country. We have very beautiful places. So if, if someone from, I don't know, Chicago wants to leave the city and wants to live up in the coast in Colombia in a very nice house near the ocean and work for a company based in New York, now it is possible to do that. 
Before it was not because if you were in Colombia and you needed a contract with a local Colombian entity. So now you can live in a country and work for the rest of the world being a foreign individual. We have also several agreements throughout the region with countries near Colombia, with Brazil, Argentina, Paraguay, even Venezuela, Bolivia. And those citizens, they have a, a very specific type of visa, which is very easy, for example, for, for them to obtain. It is just a couple of documents and they are here. And we are open for the rest of the world, not only with the free trade agreements that we have with the U.S., with the European Union, with the Pacific countries in Central America, but we, had to, we do have several agreements and we have a very little list of restricted nationalities. Restricted nationalities doesn't mean that they won't get a visa, but it means that we probably will be more difficult. So it is, it is very interesting how the country is trying to open for new opportunities for foreign workers in Colombia. And, and as I told you, for Colombian workers working for other countries from here. What is not really advisable, I don't say it's not possible, but I do not recommend that, is to have Colombian individuals working remotely when they do have an employment relationship in Colombia. I mean, if I decide to go to San Francisco and move to San Francisco because that's a very nice city and I want to live in San Francisco permanently, but I still want to work for POSE here in Colombia, I will have an issue. I will have an issue in terms of social security, of if I have an accident living in San Francisco, but working for a Colombian company, the company will have an issue. So that's the only scenario which is not recommended. Having Colombians hired in Colombia as employees working remotely from another country. But of course, within Colombia, they can do it. And, and that's very common. And that also happened in the US. A lot of people move down to Florida and they are working remotely, perfectly happy. And, and, and there are no issues as long as the work is conducted or performed within the country. Well, I'll tell you, now I got to figure out if you can help me find a little place on the ocean that I can do my podcast from, that'll be pretty great. So this has been a great conversation, Vicente. Thanks so much for your time. My pleasure again. Again, thanks for having me here. Very nice to see you as always. If you'd like to connect with Vicente, you can find his bio by clicking on his name in the description of this podcast, or you can find him in the lawyer directory on our website at ela.law. On the website, you can receive invitations to upcoming webinars, download white papers, get access to on-demand content from our library, or use the ELA's exclusive Global Employer Handbook. You've been listening to Employment Matters, a podcast brought to you by the Employment Law Alliance, the world's largest network of labor and employment lawyers from the best law firms around the globe. I'm Pete Waltz. Thanks so much for listening.